Welcome to the Small Business Whole Health Podcast. We help you stay happy, healthy and whole so your small business can thrive and stay vital in this ever-changing world with holistic coaches and small business owners, Jill and Dan. Welcome to the Small Business Whole Health Podcast. I'm Jill and I'm here with my podcasting partner, Daniel. Hello, Jill and hello, everyone. Hello, everyone. It's lovely to have you listening today. It's a lovely day, actually, isn't it, Dan? Yeah, it's gorgeous, gorgeous, yeah. Right. Anyway, today we are talking about inflammation. This is something that you probably heard of. You probably heard of it in a bad way, but it's not all bad. It's like anything. It's about moderation again. But inflammation can happen throughout the body. It's often the precursor of a lot of long-term chronic illnesses. So today we're going to have a little bit of a look, dive into what is it, what causes it, and how we can kind of alleviate it as well, aren't we, Dan? Yep. Like anything, there's things which make inflammation worse, but there's also things which we'll describe which make it better. And hopefully, well, they definitely are quite easy, aren't they? The yeah. cures for inflammation. But most of all, it's about awareness, just to make sure you realize what's making you inflamed. And then you can incorporate kind of cutting those things out and then adding in the more cooling things. So I'm going to start off with giving you some Latin. This is a first. Oh, go on then, Dan. So the term inflammaria is where inflammation comes from. And it was Latin for setting on fire, which is exactly, I mean, it's pretty obvious when you say inflammation, it's just in flames or on fire, which is kind of what's happening in your body, which is some of the symptoms of inflammation. So you get that redness and that heat and like swelling. Essentially, your body is kind of just a little bit on fire or a lot. Well, it's interesting, isn't it? Because like calories is heat, isn't it? Calor is the Latin for heat. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So the the term calorie, I'm probably going to butcher this, but it's a scientific measurement. Is it how you bring water up by one degree? One degree, yeah. For a calorie, yeah. Uh, So calorie is calor, heat. And I think pain is probably going to get loads of people going, this is not right. (laughs) Pain Pain is dolor, dolor. So there you go. That's it. Now I've done that. We've, we've peaked too soon. <laughs> I think this all stems from my recent fascination in Greek philosophy and things like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, I think you're doing well. Okay, so bringing it back to inflammation. Inflammation's linked to a lot of long-term chronic illnesses like diabetes, cancer. Some cancers have been linked to that. High blood pressure, dementia, mental health problems, heart disease, all sorts of things. It's kind of become a unifying underlying system that um, is linking all of these things together it's kind of true I think as well Um, if you can get to the root cause of your inflammation then you will be heading somewhere towards a healthy lifestyle as well but it's all about what happens on a cellular level isn't it Dan if you look at it from a real health perspective it's just a warning sign isn't it yeah so if you're doing something wrong which goes against that homeostasis or that balance of good health then your body will just keep sending you signs and the signs will get bigger and bigger and more severe until you do unfortunately get something like cancer or even worse, death. Mm -hmm. So the signs might just be really small. So you might have inflammation and it just gets worse and worse and worse. And you might cover it up with anti-inflammatories. So then your body says, well, it's going to, you're going to keep ignoring me even more. I'll give you some more signs, make it worse. And that's when disease comes about. But if we can adjust lifestyle factors, and cut out what we're doing wrong in the first place, then the body will stop sending you those signs. 
Yeah. When I first started learning about inflammation, I was like, well, what's so wrong about it? Because it's actually really a good thing. Um, you know, like if you have a cut yourself, you get an inflamed area around it, which is actually repairing the the cut or the place. Or if you sprain your ankle, for example, your ankle swells up, doesn't it? So that's inflammation happening in in real time that is repairing it. So I thought like an inflammatory response was quite a good thing because that means that it's doing some good, but it's that long-term thing, isn't it? So that's there all the time inside of you. That's not so good. Really, if you think about it, it's not the inflammation that's bad. The inflammation is an immune response. Yeah. So it's your body is just doing what it's designed to do. But again, it's a sign that something's wrong. So if we inflamed all the time, again, go back to the term inflames. If you're on fire all the time, then you're going to get hot. Yeah, you're hot. You hate something's going wrong. It's not meant to be like that. But we should mention really quickly as well that there's there's kind of two different types of inflammation. There's acute and there's chronic. So Mm. acute is kind of short term. Like you said, if you cut yourself or you get stung off a bee or something, it's that kind of you get that initial heat and a little bit of swelling and discomfort and redness. But it tends to go in like a few hours or a day or two. That's kind of short term. Mm. But the real health implications come when there's that long-term or what we call chronic inflammation where it's a lifestyle habits creating those really negative health effects. Yeah. I've got a good description of what it is. So it's the body's natural response to events that cause cellular damage. Um, it should be short-lived adaptive process that involves coordination of many complex signals and organs. It's a very important process without it. Our cells would not be aware of bacteria in our body and could lead to an uncontrolled severe infection so it's good on a short-term basis and it's a really important tool in our immune response so it's all about that getting those alien bodies out as quickly as you can and you've got quite a good analogy for that is it haven't you yeah so i'll describe acute inflammation first so imagine your white blood cells or your immune system is like a bunch of firefighters they're in the fire station and the alarm goes off. So imagine there's a, a fire somewhere, or in this instance, in the human body, you might have cut your finger. Okay, so the alarm goes off and the white blood cells or the firefighters rush to the site of the injury, put the fire out, i.e. repair the cut, and then it's all pretty short-lived. Everything's better. So the white blood cells return to whatever they were doing, or the firefighters return to the fire station. But in terms of chronic inflammation... It's like the alarm's going off in the fire station, but the firefighters ignore the alarm or they put headphones on so they can't hear it, which is the equivalent to people taking anti-inflammatories. So they block out the signals. So the fire's just going to keep raging. But if you take anti-inflammatories all the time, you're just not going to be able to, you're not going to know what's happening. So it's just going to get worse. And then to compound the effect, if you've got inflammation in your body and you're blocking out the signals that something's wrong, you're going to make it worse by continuing the lifestyle factor that that got you there in the first place, like drinking coffee and staying up late and eating sugar and taking medical drugs. So not only do you block the signals, you allow yourself to make it worse. It's like taking paracetamol and ibuprofen on an injury and then exercising. I get people come in the gym and they say, oh, every time I come and do weights, I take anti-inflammatories first. And that's the total opposite of what you should be doing. You shouldn't have to kill the pain to go to the gym because chances yeah. are, you're going to go to the gym and make it worse. And then when the painkillers wear off, you're in a worse position. 
Yeah. So yeah, we talk about it quite a lot. It's get to the root cause. Don't mask the signals. The signals are there for a reason. It's just the human body doing what is it, what it's designed to do. Exactly. So um, some pro-inflammatory things that you that you might be doing in your life that we're going to um, have a little. I've got a little list of some of the stuff. One of them is low fiber, not eating enough fiber, so you're not getting all those good nutrients through your body. Nutrient deficiency is another one. What's that thing that you say? Overfed but undernourished. Overfed but undernourished. So we've got so much food that in modern life, but very few nutrients in those in that food. So making sure you're getting a lot of different types of foods. Eat a, eat the rainbow, as um, I've heard it called before. Lots of rainbow colours. Excess sugar. Sugar is really pro-inflammatory. Pro so the more you eat sugar. We already said in one of our other podcasts that about when it brings your immune system down for a couple of hours after eating sugar, that's really bad. Stress, stress is another thing that really increases inflammation throughout your whole body. And remember when we did the stress podcast, we told you about all the different types of stresses that there are, the chemical, physical, I can't remember them off the top of my head, but you know the ones. Social isolation, just what are we doing now? We're in lockdown again, and that's a really inflammatory thing to do is, is um, to be alone and be lonely. Antibiotic overuse, that's another big thing at the moment. People take antibiotics for everything, from a cold to a, you know, everything. So try not to take them if you can help it. Sleep loss, sedentary behaviour and urban environments. All of those things are pro-inflammatory. When you were mentioning the foods at the start, like sugar and particularly processed foods and not eating the rainbow and fresh, healthy vegetables and grass-fed meats, if you eat the wrong type of stuff like junk food, it's all very acidic, okay? And you drink, mm. especially things like fizzy drinks and alcohol, it's all very acidic. And essentially, that's one of the worst things for inflammation because it upsets that acid-alkaline balance. Okay, and just think like acid is like fire. Mm. So if your body's too acidic, it's just on fire all the time. And the number one way to get rid of that fire, again, going back to the firefighter analogy, is water. To put a fire out, you need to hydrate yourself. But you also need to stop chucking petrol on the fire in terms of alcohol and spirits and sugars and things like that. Yeah, absolutely. So one of the best ways to, to become anti-inflammatory in your life is to stop the triggers. To find out what it yeah. is that's causing you. I know for me, if my if I drink alcohol, then my skin's going to be a nightmare for the next two or three days afterwards. It just doesn't agree with us. So I know that that's what causes my skin to erupt sometimes. And so I just kind of start to, to avoid it now because I don't like the consequences of it. And Yeah, alcohol gives you really, really clear signals. Like I'm not totally against alcohol. I like a drink either. now and again. I love it. <laughs> yeah. she says having a glass of red wine <laughs> <laughs> it's actually vinegar oh, acidic. <laughs> but yeah so alcohol when people drink too much too much alcohol the signs of inflammation are pretty obvious okay so bloating is a sign of inflammation okay you've spoke about skin issues so itching mm -hmm. redness heat swelling rashes these are all really really obvious signs of inflammation Mm. so yeah just your body doesn't lie it cannot hide the truth it, it tells you straight away when something's wrong yeah and become more aware of it we talk about awareness quite a lot on this podcast don't we being aware making the unconscious conscious so that you 
understand what it is that's actually triggering you. Um, I've got some good anti-inflammatory list as well to counterbalance, you know, yin and yang, all of that. Things that are really good for reducing inflammation in your body is a high fiber diet. So getting everything through your system. Quality fats. Now, I love a good fat. <laughs> so avocados, nuts, fish, all of those kind of things get good omega-3s through your system. Colourful plants, we've already spoken about that. Mindfulness practices, um, like our working in, working out, Tai Chi, all of that kind of thing, really good. Community, sense of community, getting out about. A sense of purpose as well, one dream, one love, what others, what you're working towards, what goals are you working towards. Sleep hygiene, we've no, we've already spoken as well about how important sleep is and sleep is really anti-inflammatory. So if you get a good eight hours in, then that will really help you to, to reduce inflammation. Regular movement, obviously we're going to be champions of that one. And natural environment exposure, getting outside, getting into the trees and the fresh air in your lungs. Yeah, that's a big one. The last one you said certainly at the time of recording this with people being in lockdown and like you mentioned at the start those urban environments mm. kind of sometimes it's weird when you think we've built these concrete jungles around ourselves and you feel so much happier when you go away to the countryside and you just or you even walk the dog in the woods you just realize that's where you're meant to be and it's just so nourishing isn't it mm. it might seem over simple to just get out of that kind of in these cities and towns where we live there's all that electromagnetic static and smog and then there's pollution off cars and it's just there's no color there's there's no life animals it's then you when you get out of it and go to the countryside it literally kind of resets you and puts you in that good mood doesn't it and there's yeah. no one who doesn't say that when they've been to the countryside that they feel worse i know i i like i, I used to have to go and work in london quite a lot and i just hated it I, I'm, a, I'm a country girl. We're so lucky to live out here in all these forests. And <laughs> You take it a step further when you go to, you might go to the Lake District or you might go abroad or you might go to the Highlands in Scotland and it's really wild and you yeah. feel, it makes you feel alive, doesn't it? I love it. I love being outside. I love being on top of a hill. I hate climbing hills because that gets on my nerves a bit But coming and coming down as well. It hurts, doesn't it? Like it hurts your legs. So what do you do? Parachute in? <laughs> I'd like to parachute in. That would be my ideal situation. I love being on top of hills. I just don't like getting up there or getting back down. <laughs> One thing we should mention that's really pro-inflammatory, inflammatory, yeah, is body fat, excess body fat. And that adds to your inflammation burden on the body because it is it's metabolically active and it's the kind of fat that hangs around your organs that adipose tissue um visceral fat that hangs around there and that causes a lot of inflammation in the body as well like we've got no famine coming around the corner hopefully not anywhere in modern life so we don't need to hang on to that fat so much but yeah that's what also causes inflammation. <laughs> yeah, it's just we just know that it's dangerous in general having fat around the internal organs. Yeah, it's bad enough having fat on around the limbs and things like that, but around the internal organs is really dangerous. Yeah, if we can avoid that, I just want to make a quick note on anti-inflammatories. Just get used so much, mm. and people take them willy-nilly. I, I just want to expand on what they actually do. 
and kind of the philosophy behind it really people think as soon as they feel inflamed or injured or whatever they take anti-inflammatories like that's the cure but it's not it just masks the symptoms so it's that whole idea of being tired is not a coffee deficiency having a headache is not a paracetamol deficiency <laughs> and having a bad back is not a ibuprofen deficiency <laughs> it just signs aren't they okay but if you think of it that way i've got a headache i must need paracetamol that's not you're probably dehydrated yeah if you're fatigued it's not because you haven't had enough coffee it's because you haven't had enough sleep so we yeah. need to get back to the pillars of health and not trying to just cover up the paper over the cracks all the time but the way ibuprofen works the body produces things called prostaglandins mm. and these these actually create the pain and inflammation at the site of an injury it's again it's like a warning signal they create that pain to let you know there's something wrong because if you never knew you had a cut on your leg then it'll probably get infected and might bleed out so the prostaglandins create that pain inflammation but the anti-inflammatories stop the production of the prostaglandins so hence you don't feel a pain or the inflammation so the injury is still there you mm. just don't know what's there anymore hence why mm. you can go and exercise with a bad back when you've took anti-inflammatories the problem hasn't gone away the drugs have told you that it's not there for a couple of hours so it's really dangerous if you think about it but if you do need to take them for any reason if it's so bad that you've your doctor said you can't take them or whatever try and take the smallest dose for the shortest time possible okay so try and be off them as much as you can that long-term use is dangerous because the prostaglandins which they stop the production of is they're also involved in um, the protection of the stomach lining as well so a lot of people who take anti-inflammatories long term they'll tell you that they get stomach issues because you can wear away the stomach lining then the acid kind of in your stomach there's no protection from that so you can lead with ulcers and internal bleeding which is probably far worse than what you were taking the anti-inflammatories for in the first place so a word of warning if you are going to take them take the smallest dose for the shortest time possible I, I hate taking tablets. Like I never take. Like I have to be really bad to have take a paracetamol, and um, like now you just put us off even more. Well, yeah, it's like when you, <laughs> like, I'm look like I'm like you. People take the mick out of me and have a laugh. Well, I just I won't take anything. I like, won't. <laughs> at worst, I'll take an antihistamine for hair fever, but even then, I feel like I'm proper cheating myself <laughs> when I take one. I know. I, just, I feel I like like this. pain is a teacher. Pain is a teacher. Yeah, and, <laughs> and it's I just won't take it. No. especially needles and vaccines and stuff. I went to Nepal last year and I didn't take any of the vaccinations or anything. <laughs> People were going crazy with us. Just refused to do it. No, yeah, I so I'll take my chances. There's a, there a case for everything. I'll agree. But yeah. when you're going to take something, at least look at the side effects, ask the doctor or if you can buy them from the from the chemist, get the, the leaflet out and research what the side effects are so it's not going to surprise you. Make an informed choice. Don't just exactly. blindly blindly follow the, the pros because there are cons so at least if you know both sides then you can make an informed decision and it's on you if you do get any side effects exactly and what we should also mention is about gut health as well like with you talking about the stomach acid and stuff um when you take antibiotics obviously it kills all the bacteria in you the bad bacteria but it also kills all the good bacteria that is in your gut and Inside your gut, I think it's 90% of your immune system is actually housed inside the the microbiota in your gut. And they're really only recently discovering how important that is. Um, the gut is actually what's sending the bacteria. I've got a book here called 10% Human. We're actually only 10% of our tissues are human. The rest is all made up of bacteria. 
So your gut microbes support inflammation by increasing antioxidant production and reducing oxidative stress. They maintain the health of tissues in your digestive tract to lower gut inflammation, which reduces the likelihood of foreign material inappropriately passing through your bloodstream. So some people call that um, leaky gut, don't they? You know, where the, the, the gut's kind of semi-permeable and those permeable layers start to open up more and let more of the half digested food and things out of your gut and into your bloodstream which is really not a good thing to happen because that can be really inflammatory also they um, send signals to calm down your immune system as well so if you've got like an overactive immune system then maybe you need to get some of those good you need to really look after your um, gut and we were talking about we off air you know people taking pro and prebiotics to increase their gut health but really the best thing you can do is eat the foods <laughs> the high fiber the nuts the everything uh, garlic is really good and onions i love a raw onion dad i can eat a raw nice. onion like an like an apple <laughs> <laughs> but steven steven's thankful of that is he <laughs> i love an onion i can have onion with anything so raw onion and garlic are really good and then they say don't they like it's a bit of an old wives tale that eat garlic to um protect you from colds and stuff and it's mm -hmm. true it does that's that's how it does that by increasing the like keeping the gut healthy the gut microbes healthy yeah and remember quality is a big thing so go mm -hmm. organic wherever you can we know organic's a little bit more expensive it's probably not as bad as what you would imagine but if you can only afford a few things organic go with organic meats and fats first mm. those are bioaccumulators so the animals eat the grass and the vegetables and things and then you eat the animal so it's kind of further down the chain so if you can only afford a few things organic go for meat and fat first and then carbohydrates vegetables afterwards but think quality over quantity like we said there's no point in being overfed and undernourished you'd rather have a lesser amount but feel satiated i think on average it's you feel satiated 30 percent quicker if you have organic food compared to non-organic. So it actually probably works out cost-effective doing it that way as well. Absolutely. And I just want to have a quick note on the brassica vegetables, which are the broccoli, rocket kale, bok choy and sprouts, which are really, really good for you. Um, they co contain ingredients and chemicals called sulfur. I should really practice these words, shouldn't I, before I decide to launch into them on our podcast. I think sulfur you should really do a, a, a chemistry degree, the amount of long <laughs> scientific words that you come yes, out with. I know. I, I, <laughs> I do sound like I know what I'm talking about. They're called sulforaphane and indo-3-carbinol that prevent oxidative stress. And these are some of the most um, technologically advanced drugs that doctors use, but they're actually in the foods in the first instance. And they're what gets prescribed for arthritis and um, joint pains and stuff and they're actually you can get them from your grocery store quite as easily in um, lots of dark green vegetables yeah mother nature gave us everything we need to be healthy if we just make a return to nature as much as we can then you'd be what need to make synthetic drugs and weird excuses for why we're ill and things like that just return to nature everything was designed and we got this far in life with fruits and vegetables and meat and animals and sunlight and fresh air if we get back on that path, a lot of the problems can be solved. Yeah. We don't need to keep giving our health over to doctors and synthetic drugs, do we? Exactly. And we were just talking about, for example, turmeric 
turmeric gets bandied about as like the best anti-inflammatory in nature and all that, which it probably is. But when you eat turmeric, you don't tend to eat it just on its own, do you? You eat it with, you know, other spices and it'll be that compound effect of turmeric with all the other stuff that is having the anti-inflammatory thing, not just the actual chemical that 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 then people take in a pill because they think that that's what's doing them good. It's not. It's the actual whole food, isn't it? rather than just an element of that whole food. Yeah, and there's there's no point in eating five takeaways a week, but having a, a teaspoon of organic turmeric afterwards. That's yeah. not the point, is it? It should be the other, the other way around. If you had five healthy organic meals in a week or 10 in a week, then you wouldn't need the turmeric because you're probably getting all the, the macros yeah, exactly. and the micronutrients from the actual food. Very true, Dan. Oh, I'll tell you what I've been started doing that you might be interested to, to hear. I've started taking cannabis oil. Are we allowed to talk about that? Yeah, CBD oils. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've taken some before from um, North American Herb and Spice. They're a pretty good company. They, cool. they did some. Well, this company that I've been speaking to the lady who runs it, she's based in the UK and um, she couldn't find any high-grade, full-spectrum CBD oils um, in the UK. So she made her own. Really good, really nice. I actually wanted the cream for my skin to see if it made any difference. And then she ended up talking us into the whole oil and the cream. So I'll let you know if it works. All right, good. Well, it's it's non-psychoactive, so... Yeah, I'm not going to start hallucinating. Although I did have some weird dreams, but I have weird dreams anyway, so I don't think it was that. <laughs> it would be good if it was psychoactive, because you could come on and film, the, do the podcast. Yeah, yeah, you could take your magic mushrooms. Like, what is that thing you want to take? Ayahuasca. <laughs> Ayahuasca, yeah, that would be good. So, yeah, so I'll let you all know how that goes on. But that's meant to be a really good anti-inflammatory as well, isn't it, when it works on the whole metabolic system, doesn't it? Cannabis is just a, it's just a regular plant like everything else. It has, it has benefits, and the body has a, a whole cannabinoid system, which is designed to have cannabis in our, in our body, isn't it? So mm-hmm. just the fact that the government suppressed the use of it doesn't mean it's bad for us. We might have been taught that, but it's really quite the opposite, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, so I'll let you know how I get on. But yeah, it's really interesting. We should do a podcast on the cannabinoid system because it's really interesting. Yeah, yeah, it is. And I don't think we're too far away from cannabis being legalised in this country, but with that comes pros and cons again because then you'll get low-grade stuff and again, like Mm. anything, you want the highest quality. But there's definitely progress being made because it's got some very, very good health benefits, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah, and I do firmly believe that before you turn to medicine, like pharmaceutical medicines, check what you're putting in your body and on your body and surrounding your body with in the first instance. Yeah, because all medical drugs, they have to be detoxed from the body anyway. So you're, just, you're, you're putting a big burden on your liver. Yeah. Okay, and like we, we've spoke about them um, kind of detox in the last few episodes, like the dopamine detox and fasting, so abstaining from food. If you can give your immune system and your detox system a break and let yourself recover you might find your problems go away without constantly putting the drugs into your system all the time yeah any other business no more business from me i don't think i think that's anti-inflammation in a nutshell and nuts of course is a good thing for anti-inflammation as well yeah but not the shells (laughs) cool so where can people find you joe yeah, organicpilates.co.uk. Our podcast page should be live on there now, so it's got a whole page dedicated to our podcast. We've made it, officially. We've made it. That is it, the pinnacle. 
So, yeah, what about you, Dan? I've seen you jumping around your kitchen recently. Yeah, still doing a high-intensity <laughs> kitchen workout. I should rename it, shouldn't I? Yeah, in the kitchen with Dan. You should start yeah. cooking as well. Like, say, right, I'm just going to chop these vegetables up, put them on, do do the workout, and then go, right, there's there's dinner. Oh, yeah, during the during the interval, people are grabbing a drink, yeah. like flipping pancakes. <laughs> yeah. I think you could incorporate it into your it's work. Definitely a niche, it look good. It's definitely a niche market. <laughs> <laughs> but no, yeah, I've, I've been doing the workouts in my kitchen still during this second lockdown. I reckon it would be much better than that guy. What's he called? Joe Wicks. I think yeah. you could do that. Well, so right, right, here's my pancakes. Mixture, right? 15 squats, go. And then... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, design workout specifically for different recipes. I think we've got. I think I've just invented a new genre for you. Oh, Dan, could... you, you can you can trademark that one. I'll let you see how it goes first. <laughs> but yeah, I'm Daniel Purvis, Health and Fitness on Facebook, and remember the podcast is on Apple, Spotify, Jill's webpage, all over. Talk to your Google Home or something, and that'll, they'll tell you where it's at. And pass the pod. Yep, pass the pod, and we'll see you again soon. Bye.